Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The 10 ways to fight fair. Hey, it's Elizabeth Kay, your host of 50 Shades of Kay with a return guest. Patrick Schultz is back with me today. He's a licensed professional counselor. He's with MilwaukeeCounselor.com, and we're here to talk about fighting fair. Thanks for coming, Patrick. I appreciate you having me back. Thanks so much. So this podcast is a lifestyle podcast, but uh, one of the things that I sense a theme kind of going on here with this podcast now that it's been over a year is talking about relationships. And I've always been very interested in relationships and what makes them work, why sometimes they don't, and ways to improve the relationships that you value, and most specifically, the one with your partner. And this was a great idea that you brought up in the last time you were here. Mm-hmm. Do you remember we were talking, and then you kind of branched off about fighting fair, and I said, that's another podcast, Patrick. Yep. So here he is. He uh, put together a list. It's the top 10 ways to fight fair. Is it possible to fight fair? Can I just start with that question? Absolutely. I mean, why isn't it able to fight fair? Boxers have you know rules in the ring that they got to follow. Couples can do the exact same thing. Hey, that's an interesting way to look at it. So let's go through the list one through 10 and we'll uh, kind of dig deep on some of these here. But number one is very interesting to me because this happens, I think, a lot in relationships about picking a mutually agreed upon time to talk about the issues. And you wrote here, if one does not want to talk about it at that moment... Forcing the other person to talk is only going to make the fight worse. Mm-hmm. So can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Because sometimes if you're mad, you want to talk about it now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about it. You want to get your resolution right then and there. But your partner is like, I'm not ready. I need time to process. I need time to think. Don't talk to me about this or you're just going to piss me off even more. Yes. So asking for a break, a chance to kind of clear your head a little bit and say, all right, can we come back to the table and talk about it in maybe an hour? I'll be ready to talk then. That way you know you're getting your best partner and they're going to be able to listen to what you have to say rather than just you trying to get your point across right there in that moment. Which seems so simple, but I feel like makes a lot of sense because you aren't going to get anywhere if someone has just shut down and said Mm -hmm. no, whether they're really angry or I get a little hangry, as my husband knows. (laughs) If it's like I need to eat something and then we can sit down and talk about this, that's probably better for both of us. Now, speaking of hangry and food... Point number two, fight in the kitchen. Explain this point a little bit. This one kind of came to me as I was just thinking about these things and and trying to come up with a a good top 10 list here. Oftentimes fights will happen at, you know, it's it's not predictable. So, I mean, they'll happen anywhere in the house that you can think of. But more often than not, I've heard couples that come in for therapy with me that will say, our fight ended up in the bedroom and we were up all night and we were arguing, we couldn't sleep. And then their whole next day is ruined because of not sleeping at night. So the fights tend to to naturally just kind of go to where we're comfortable, which is the bedroom. We spend a lot of time there. We have intimacy there, all of that. So switch it up. Fight in the kitchen. If you think about what happens in your kitchen, that's where everybody gathers in social situations. That's where you gather to make food. That's where things change. You take all these separate ingredients and you throw them together to make something you know spectacular out of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. The same thing can go with a couple as well, that you guys can take various issues and disagreements and problems that are coming up and bring it out into the kitchen and make something better in a space that's safe. 
being in the bedroom and being in other areas has a lot of memories, a lot of emotions that are attached to it. So it really makes it difficult to stay present and really have a good argument. Now, number three, I remember talking about this in college in interpersonal communication classes, (laughs) using I statements. Mm -hmm. Explain that one. This is probably one of the biggest tools that I use, and it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort because we get really good at pointing the finger and blaming other people. I well, mean, yeah, because it's his fault all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> but the I statements, though, instead of you didn't do this or you did do this, like what would be an example for someone that's maybe never heard of this before, what they should say about an I statement? How can they use that? Well, I mean, really the the biggest piece that you want to work with on is just not pointing the finger and blaming your partner, not saying, well, you did this, you didn't do this, you don't listen to me, you don't care about me, really making sure to use I statements and I'm upset about, I'm frustrated when, I don't like it when you, so that yes, there's a you statement in that, but you're still starting it with the I piece of it and you're letting them know what you're reacting to, what your problem is. As soon as you start pointing the finger and using the you statements, it causes that other person to become defensive. Because then they feel like they're the ones that that is on the hot seat. They're the one that's being blamed for whatever is happening. And then that makes them get defensive right away. So they're not hearing half of what you're saying because they're so focused on being defensive about what's coming up that they don't even want to to listen to anything else you have to say. You're right. And then nothing's going to move forward and right. things are going to get said and people are going to get more upset mm-hmm. and then it's going to lead into the bedroom and then you're not going to sleep and it's going to continue on for a day or a week or however long afterwards. Uh, so I love that. The use I statements. Number four, this is very interesting. Set a time limit on the fight or discussion. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about actually... Putting a timer out and saying, okay, we have 30 minutes to, to get through this or solve this? Yep. Yeah, I mean, often, how many, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can think of a time that they had an argument with somebody that just seemed to go on for hours and you guys kept talking in circles and each of you wanted to make your point and then it just got nowhere and you guys left probably more frustrated than when you even started the argument. So before you even sit down and have that discussion, that fight, whatever it is, set a timer for, let's say, 30 minutes. And then what you do is you block that off into thirds. So each person gets 10 minutes to say their piece of it without interruptions, without any other issues going on. Then you guys have 10 minutes at the end to really come up with a solution together in that 10 minutes. And then once the timer goes off, the microwave stops, whatever it is. You guys walk away and you you move on with your day. Well, and there's a lot to be said about setting a timer. I'm sure people listening to this may think, oh, yeah, that sounds in the perfect world. We would do that. But if you could think about maybe all the things that you would eliminate, like you said, the talking in circles that wouldn't even be needed. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about ways to be more productive with your day. And on the podcast, they mentioned how think about how quickly you can clean your house when company's about to come over. If you felt that way about cleaning your house all the time and set a timer to say, company's coming over in an hour, how much you can get done if you just get to it and get your projects done. In this regards, too, if you set a timer, this was very eye-opening to me that you're forced to say, okay, you speak your piece, I'll speak my piece, timer goes off, all right, we need to figure this out. Yep. And actually, that brings up another good point. I mean, you, you talked about the cleaning before company comes over and you can get so much done when you just put your mind to it. That whole idea of multitasking is something that comes up a lot, too, during arguments that I didn't even think of until just now. If you think about it, whenever arguments happen, one person's doing the laundry, somebody's cooking dinner, somebody's trying to put the kids down to bed, whatever it might be, somebody's maybe even working. Right. You're not giving your full attention to the argument. You're not giving your full attention to your partner. So if you block out that time and put that time limit on there, 
you take away those distractions and you can be fully focused on just that one piece of it and probably get more out of it in a shorter amount of time than trying to drag it out for hours. This is great stuff. Number five, stay focused. So that is pretty Mm self-explanatory. You're speaking to about not bringing up like all the things you've been mad about in the last 15 years. Just what is the one thing you're talking about now? And that tends to happen. This is actually more directed at um, the women in the relationships than the men because... What are you getting at here? (laughs) I'm sure most women will can remember, you know, something that happened 10 years ago. Uh, Yeah. Where most of us guys will forget what we had for lunch yesterday, let alone what we made you mad about two weeks ago. Why is that? What, I mean, what is... There are times I'm jealous of men. I, I, (laughs) there are, there are definitely things where it's like, I wish I could have that kind of memory like a man where you just don't think about Mm -hmm. that stuff but it just doesn't leave our brains to be honest with you i don't have a good answer for it i mean there are some scientific studies and some things out there that do say that men have a different type of memory and a different way to kind of formulate memories than women do be that good or bad you know that's up for discussion and argument here but definitely staying focused during the argument because it can be real tempting to bring up like you said, what happened 15 years ago, 10 mm. years ago, last week, last month, whatever it is. I hear myself do it. And I will, to myself and my subconscious, say, why are you now bringing up that? That mm-hmm. had nothing to do with right now. But I'm mad in the moment. And so I'm going to be <laughs> mad about everything. But right. staying focused, maybe a timer will be helpful. Maybe setting a timer. Because <laughs> then you have to really use your time wisely. Mm-hmm. I've actually had couples that have also kind of outlined what they wanted to talk about in any argument to be able to stay focused, where they kind of wrote down their main points, very much like you would do for a paper in high school or college. And that helps them sort of stay on point and be able to to really make sure they know what they want to say. Yeah. Uh, Number six, don't yell. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) When you get so mad, though, it can be hard not to yell, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't solve anything. Right. It doesn't. It just, again, like we said with the, the I statements and the you statements, Going on that attack, yelling, just tends to make the other person get defensive, shut down, and then the argument doesn't go anywhere. You might as well just put it to bed and pick it up another well, day. And with the don't yell, and I know I'm not the licensed professional counselor, but I feel like the yelling also goes in the area of like name-calling, too. Mm-hmm. Like you were just saying, the second it goes there, it starts to get disrespectful. The person mm-hmm. gets defensive. Nothing is going to come of that. Right. And I feel like it ends up being childish behavior, too. Yep. Absolutely. Like if you were to if you were to videotape or audio tape, like audio record an argument that breaks all these rules, I feel like civilized, normal human beings would sit back and listen to that or see it and probably be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Again, if all the rules were broken, because it looks like little kids just get into an argument. Yeah. And that's because that's what we're used to. That's how we know sometimes to get our way in the moment is to let it all out in whatever way we have to. Yeah. Number seven. Be rested and full. This goes with being hangry, Yep. (laughs) which my husband knows. I'm not saying this at all to be comical. He knows if I start getting a little little worked up about something, he'll often ask, did you eat lunch? When's the last time you ate? Because Mm -hmm. I will get so worked. Like, I get hangry. Mm -hmm. And I'm not proud of it. That's why I always try to have, like, a granola bar or a Cliff Bar or trail mix or something because I, I will. I'll just get so anxious when I get that hungry. And I don't think it's that uncommon. At least I hope not. But you're saying be rested and full when you're going to sit down and have a a fight. Yep. Make sure you're at your best. You want just like a boxer going into the ring is has had his workouts. He's eating well. He's at weight, all that stuff. You want to make sure that you are at your best when you go into that argument. It's going to be hard enough, emotionally draining when you're tired, when you're hungry, you know, you're stressed, whatever it might be, you're not going to be on your A game and it's not going to go as well.
Number eight, too, call a timeout. That's kind of a sports reference also. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite ones. I had a couple that used this religiously, that they actually came up with their own little yellow flag to throw during the middle of an argument if either one of them needed a break. Yeah. It's okay for either partner to call a timeout. If you feel like you're overwhelmed, you need to go scream into a pillow, go walk away for a minute, you can call a timeout and walk away. Then, you know, as long as you guys have the the same rule set that there are going to be no questions asked, the timeout will be for five minutes. You guys can come back together and continue with that discussion when the other person feels like they're ready to go. I really like that idea. I, I feel like a lot of people would utilize that. And as long as it was utilized in a not in a manipulative way, right. just in a genuine hang on here, it just shows respect and that you love your per- your partner, that you don't exactly. want this to brew into something bigger that goes on for weeks and months. And I'm sure what you've seen with some couples years mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because then to come back from that is even harder. And if if some of these couples would have just called a timeout, then maybe something wouldn't have been said that would have upset somebody else. So I, I really, really like that takeaway. Call a timeout. Mm-hmm. All right, number nine. Now, I don't know. All the grandmas say, don't go to bed angry. <laughs> and you said, put it on hold sometimes. Sometimes arguments can't be resolved in one day. Sometimes you need a chance to sleep on it. You need a chance to walk away maybe think of some different perspective, kind of process what your partner was saying and what they what they wanted to talk about, and then come back at it a different time. Does it make the hurt go away? No. Does it make the anger go away? No. But if you guys need to walk away from it, continuing to badger it for hours and hours and hours is not going to get you anywhere. You might be better off walking away and then coming back. Or going to bed angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're saying, you've heard it here, a licensed professional counselor saying it's okay to go to bed angry. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that can just be even more exhausting right if you're i mean like you said earlier no one's gonna win if they're i want to say win because it's really about winning but nothing's gonna be solved productively if you're on two hours of sleep exactly there's just no way my mother-in-law said something once about um her husband and they've been married for gosh how old is my husband they've been married for 37 38 years Mm -hmm. like right out of high school they got married and and they are crazy for each other and my mother-in-law said one time she's like i will always love steve that's my father-in-law. Okay. But sometimes I don't like Steve. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's something that you that I could take away from that, going to bed angry, so to speak, where it doesn't mean I don't love you, but mm-hmm. we are not solving anything here. Right. So let's just regroup and get back at it tomorrow. Yep. It's okay to do, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> uh, number 10, the final point of the 10 ways to fight fair, use touch. Yep. And I mean, this is probably the last thing anybody wants to do when you're in the middle of an argument with your spouse or your partner, but... Touch can be a really powerful tool. It can be really, really effective. There's been studies that have been shown that hugging during an argument or when you're upset about something can actually reduce the frustration levels and the anger levels that people have. And you actually have a better fight overall because then you're not feeling like the other person isn't there and not connected with you. Patrick, I'm nodding my head here in the studio with you because my husband and I are very affectionate. That's Mm -hmm. one of our love languages. And there will be times that we'll get into an argument and he is so quick to say, can you give me a hug? And early in our relationship, I would get frustrated because it's like, I don't feel like hugging right now. I'm a little <laughs> upset. But every time we do it, every time we hug, mm-hmm. I can feel physically that I'm like, all right, I'm I'm not I'm not like that mad. I'm not that upset yeah. or it's all going to be fine. And so now he'll do that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel like hugging at that point, I mean, even just simply holding someone's hand during the middle of it, you know, sitting at the table and talking can be enough touch to kind of just start to reduce that stress level a little bit in the moment. 
You are open to working with couples and things, right? So if people listening to this want to connect with you at MilwaukeeCounselor.com, yep. you are taking new clients and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, and what do you focus on specifically? Do you marriage counseling? Do you work with youth at all? I don't do a whole lot of work with youth. I really kind of found my my niche with working with adults. The piece that I really love the most is couples. I love, you know, helping with communication, increasing intimacy, and getting people back to really where they, they want to be in the relationship. One of the things that really struck me when I was learning about, you know, couples counseling in general was that by the time couples get to coming into my office, on average, they've been fighting or having the same issues or arguments for over four years. Wow. And by that time, they finally decided, all right, I think we need to talk about this. We need to go find someone who can help us figure this out. But four years is a long time to create a lot of damage and a lot of irreparable harm. And think about, you know, if you just were open and gave yourself the chance to go talk to somebody earlier, how much frustration, how much stress, how much strain could be saved in you, you know, for you personally, but as as well as your marriage and getting in to see somebody as soon as problems start. There's actually couples that do marriage counseling before they're even married because they just want to make sure they have a good foundation of communication and support and know how to go forward together. Yeah, there is a couple I know in particular that did pre-marriage counseling because they both came from, they they had both been married before and they were both kind of scorned in the last relationships. They wanted to have a good foundation, like Mm -hmm. you said, and they've continued on. Yep. They go to regular sessions and they're proud of it and they're they have a very successful marriage. But mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really interesting that they started before and are still continuing on. Yeah, it can be a really nice, neutral, safe place where people can feel like they can kind of unload what they want to without fear of retribution, without fear of their partner getting defensive, because you have that person there in the room that can help kind of regulate both sides of the, the discussion. I feel like women are apt to go, but men struggle sometimes to go because what is it is it fear is it that they are i guess afraid that they're going to be told that they're the bad guy or they're wrong or something like that because there's a lot of people that i talk with that it's their it's their husbands that don't want to go it can be any or all of the above fear is a a big part of it but what are they afraid of because i i sit there and go afraid that you'd have a better marriage why would that be something to be afraid of if you think about it, you, you possibly are afraid of having someone point out what you're doing wrong, and no one, like, no one likes to have that done. No one likes to be told, well, you're not a good husband, you're not a good partner because of yeah. X, Y, and Z. And a lot of times people just figure out that that's what couples counseling is going to be, and that's what they assume, and that's really not the case. If you have a good couples counselor, it will not be the the pointing the finger at one person all the time. That's taking sides and that doesn't help anybody. So yeah, what do you do then? You look at both sides, you want to hear everybody's story Mm -hmm. and then try to set up a plan for that couple. Exactly. Generally how I work it for my first session, I meet with the couple together. You know, they, they both come in, we sit down and kind of get a brief overview of what brought them in, what's been going on. And then the next two sessions, I like to meet with each partner individually without the other one present. So I can oh, really hear from them directly what's going on. And that way they can feel like they can unload and tell me everything on their side that they see to be a problem. And then the fourth session, we all come back together and then we start comparing notes and we develop a plan to kind of figure out how we move forward here. Do you feel like you get more information from people when they're in the one-on-one sessions? Absolutely. That's really smart that you do that because I would bet that you do Mm because they feel like it's a safe place to just explain kind of what's going on. Right. This is all great stuff. I love having you on 50 Shades of K, Patrick, because you're you're very articulate and you make it simple to understand and you make it seem very achievable because for a lot of people... 
it's their relationship. It's their person that they're with all the time, every day. And mm-hmm. if you're feeling like you're coming home to a house that you don't want to be in, or you just have this gut feeling of something's just a little off, it'd be no different than if you felt like, hey, my arm is hurting. I would go to a doctor. Right. Go work on your relationship. Mm-hmm. And for people with kids, too, your kids deserve that. Exactly. To have happy parents and a happy home to go home to. Yep. So thank you so much. Again, it's Patrick Schultz, MilwaukeeCounselor.com. And this list, too, we're going to link this up at 991themix.com. And bring it to your partner. And maybe take some of these uh, takeaways. I definitely know that I struggle with staying focused because I get all over the place. And the the setting the timer, I think, is really, really helpful information, at least in the K household of something to maybe do, because <laughs> I have no shortage of things to say. So that's how these can go on for way too long. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Patrick. Will you be back on Fifty Shades of K again? If you'll have me, I would love to. Absolutely. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe. So open your podcast app on your Apple product, or you can use Google Play. Just search 50 Shades of K. That's five zero fifty Shades of K, and then make sure to hit the subscribe button. Tell all your friends, and I'd love it if you left a review. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.